In early 2016, Arda was already investing in cryptocurrencies, but he wasn't only investing in Bitcoin or Ethereum, he was also looking at altcoins that was issued by now what we called DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. What Arda realized about those coins is that they are actually more like the shares of public companies. The tokens of DAOs are representing the underlying value that the DAOs are providing for the product or services that they offer. However, Arda was not able to find a way to discover new DAOs, and that made his investment discovery extremely difficult. So Arda decided to solve the problem himself by creating DAOHub, a marketplace to make DAO discovery, voting, and portfolio management easy. Previously, Arda was also a co-founder of Roll, a shared electric scooter company that was a part of the Techstar program in Toronto. Here is my conversation with Arda Etrick. Okay, perfect. Um, first of all, welcome Arda to Ideas Can't Wait podcast. Really excited to have you on. Thank you for inviting me. I'm also excited. Absolutely. So why don't you give us a uh, short intro about your background, where you grew up, where you went to university, um, just overall, who is Arda? Yeah, um, my name is Arda Ertürk. I was born and raised in Turkey for 18 years. And after graduating from high school, I moved to Canada and studied at University of Toronto, studied machine learning and data science under stats and math. And then uh, during my first year, I had an internship at Scotiabank. It's one of the largest banks in Canada. Uh, that was my kind of first uh, introduction to like fintech, um, also like the corporate world as well. And then uh, it was like an eight months uh, kind of a co-op thing. And then in my third year, I co-founded a shared scooter company uh, with two other co-founders, um, Roll Scooters. It's uh, it's the only Canadian-owned, developed and shared uh, Canadian-owned, developed and operated shared micromobility operator in Canada. We launched our scooters in Calgary, Ottawa, Kelowna, and now we're in smaller markets in Alberta. And I'm moving uh, into Web3 now. I'm building a marketplace for DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, DAOs are, I mean, I think we're going to talk about this more, but DAOs are, um, it's similar to a public company. Instead of public, uh, instead of their shares, uh, they sell their governance tokens. And when you purchase them, you have a voice, uh, you have a right in terms of uh, you can put on proposals you can vote on those proposals and there's typically no CEO and no board of directors everything is being run and managed by these uh, community members the investors um, so yeah I'm building a marketplace for them to make it easier for investors to invest uh, explore new DAOs invest in them and also uh, engage in terms of the uh, proposals and voting in just one platform um, yeah thanks for the um the introduction of yourself. I think it's always interesting to start from the beginning of where you just started. It seems like that once you start a role, um, your life trajectory kind of just stay at startup. I think that's something that you're interested in and you want to spend your life on. Um, so tell me a little bit about how um, you had the notion or idea of starting role and how did you guys get started in the beginning? Yeah, um, so it was... Uh kind of random to be honest um, i was highly involved in student politics campus council uh, student union and i was helping my friends at the student union to organize an event for earth day and um, earth day i think is in april um, you know people just celebrate um, 
Earth Day, and this is really cool actually. Like every year, we understand the importance of uh, Earth Day and like the uh, climate and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, so I was helping them to organize the event. I was asking questions to students in the student center, and I randomly asked this person about. Uh, I asked him, "What do you think about schools' policies in terms of um, uh, in terms of green technology, green policies?" And he said that his family business is electric scooter manufacturing, and he wants to bring shared e-scooters to Canada. At the time, it was really popular in U.S. and in Europe, uh, but we didn't really have any scooters at the time. Uh, but and I knew that was going to be popular here too because it was like a, there was a really big boom in U.S. Uh, it's really cool, right? You see the scooter on the street, no uh, docking station or anything. You download the app, scan the QR code. And you just ride it anywhere, you park it anywhere, and like that's really convenient. And um, yeah, so we decided to bring them to Canada. We built our own product, uh, our own software. We started talking to cities, and that was kind of the initial stage. Like we have to convince the cities. And usually in North America, especially Canada, um, cities are really conservative when it comes to these new innovative ideas, and especially you know it's going to be on the public infrastructure, right? So it took a while to convince cities, but we started with Kelowna. Uh, we got our permit in 2019. We launched our, uh, it was like a 2030 scooter when we first launched. And then uh, later in 2020, COVID happened. We, it was actually easier to convince cities at the time because people were kind of, um, they were hesitant in terms of getting on the public transit and like being with other people in, in closed area. So scooters were a great uh, solution for that. Uh, you can practice social distancing. Uh, you don't need to interact with anyone. You just ride your scooter, and that's it. Um, and yeah, it was easier to convince them. We launched in Calgary and Ottawa in 2020. Um, those were really big. And then later on, a lot of new companies joined the space. And now we're in smaller cities in Alberta mostly. And that's how it started, uh, to be honest. It was kind of random, but um, I think networking is really, really important. Like I think we're going to also talk about this later on. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So did you ever dreamed about starting a startup? Have you had any idea before you know about this e-scooter thing? Yeah. Um, so I was always passionate about startups and entrepreneurship, but like I didn't really know how to get into it. And after my co-op term, uh, after my first year at Scotiabank, I realized that startups would be better for me because corporate world, you know, cubicles and uh, kind of old style, the bureaucracy and everything. I, I didn't really like that. Uh, like nine to five, like you, you do all the tasks and like that's it, to be honest. Like there's no... There's no room for imagination. Like you can't really contribute a lot. So um, it, yeah, so I was really interested in startups and I, I thought, you know, the best way would be just uh, working with a startup before like founding yourself, right? Um, but, you know, the opportunity just uh, came came across and like I, I talked to Richard, Richard is our CEO. Uh, CEO. Um, and yeah, it happened. Uh, it was kind of random, but it was a good opportunity for me to learn a lot of things by myself. Um, like in terms of uh, investment, in terms of marketing, operations, um, government affairs, um, managing people, a lot of different skills. So, yeah, that's <clears throat> how it started, actually. And I'm not planning to go back to corporate world, uh, to be honest. That's great. Um, and you mentioned one thing previously is about uh, networks. Um, so, yeah, tell me about why do you think that's so important? And, you know, why did you think that's, you know, the one of the most important things in a startup. Yeah, like not just for startups, to be honest. Networking is also important right. for finding a job, 
um, I, I realized the importance of networking at every stage of my life, to be honest. Um, finding a job is just one thing, but also investment, um, hiring as well. You know, uh, you need referrals, um, like a lot of things. So I, I think it's really important uh, for people to get out of their comfort zone and go to the networking events and um, talk to people. Like you might never know like what the other person might might be able to help you, maybe like in terms of investment or like other stuff. So um, like luck is important too. You know, it's, it's a factor uh, that's really important, but you can't just wait, sit and uh, like wait for an opportunity co- to come up. So you need to just get out of the comfort zone, talk to people, build your network. And um, I think if you're lucky enough, um, you would you would do great stuff, I think. Yeah, before before our uh, conversation, uh, me and Arda talked about how um, we also met each other yesterday at a networking event, and it's um, it's very great to know that every time I go to a networking event, Arda is there. Uh, it shows that you know how much you care about meeting new people, and think new opportunity really comes out of those opportunities. Um, that's really great, and um, I think you spent two and a half or three years building role. Uh, while university and graduating, um, I want to know what, what was some, you know, hardest time or experience or even stories that you can share about uh, that, that lead you to the greatest learnings? Yeah, uh, we, we made a lot of mistakes and I'm actually not afraid of making mistakes. That's the best learning opportunity, I think. Um, so one thing was that, that was really difficult was I was a student, full-time student and full-time co-founder, which was really difficult. And this was before pandemic. So everything was in person, you know, school, work, everything. It was actually difficult. I had to go to work uh, nine to five. And then after five, I um, had classes at UFT. I was, it was close to our uh, office. So, I mean, the commuting was not a problem, but still, you know, uh, you start uh, and, and you have to also commute to office. You, know, you wake up at 7, 7.30, and then uh, you have work and class until like 9, 10 p.m. Um, it was difficult. And then COVID happened. It worked really well for me, to be honest. Everything was online. Um, <clears throat> so I was able to participate more in the classes because it's you know online recordings, uh, online exams, like online stuff, uh, which was really convenient for me. Um, and then, uh, so that was one of the, most difficult part of uh, my my entrepreneurship journey and then i graduated everything became much easier in that aspect in that respect um and then other mistakes would be we had a lot of uh, wrong assumptions when we first launched Uh, this was mostly operational stuff um, but it was a good way for us to kind of see and uh, validate those assumptions whether they're right or not uh, we had to change a lot of stuff uh, in terms of operations. Like we were thinking about collecting all the scooters at night. That would that's pretty much impossible. Uh, like uh, you can't do that every night. Uh, this was one of the uh, main assumptions we made. Uh, but there are a lot of things like this uh, that we learned on the spot. Um, other mistakes, um, being overconfident is another mistake I made. This was this was after roll actually. Um, so yeah, like you don't be overconfident. Be you need to be realistic, but more closer to uh, being pessimistic. I feel like I was really optimistic um, at all, and Richard was really pessimistic. So we were balancing. Each oh, other. really? Uh, and yeah, uh, I think you need someone that can actually balance you 
uh, in that sense. I'm not afraid of making mistakes. And again, I think this is the best learning opportunity. But the most important thing, don't don't repeat the same mistakes. Right. If you're doing that, then that's that's wrong. Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually quite um, interested in, in the topic that you were mentioning about being optimistic and, uh, and pessimistic. Um, I, it, in my opinion, it is very important to be optimistic because you're, you're carrying almost an impossible task to um, bring something from zero to one, especially a scooter company that's, um, you know, that millions of people could possibly use and there's a million things that could go wrong. But I, I, I also think it's uh, very important to be pessimistic because that's um, the way that you can be conscious of what's happening and notice the mistakes uh, that you guys can potentially have and make the product better. Um, so I, I'm wondering, like, what was your opinion on it and how has the dynamic really worked out between you and Richards of one being optimistic and one being pessimistic? Um, interesting question. Um, I, again, I think the b- balancing part is important. Um, sometimes I was um, over optimist about things. Um, like at the end, the, the dynamic was okay. Um, like as long as we, we respect each other's decision and like each other's um, thoughts. Um, but yeah, like sometimes we were like, oh no, like, you know, this is going to happen for sure. You don't need to worry about it. But uh, Richard was like, no, like I'm really concerned. Uh, like I'm going to be concerned until we actually have this thing. So uh, yeah, like it, this was a good dynamic. Like it, this is, uh, th- this is healthy, I think. Do you think there's a, um, I understand that you and, and Richard are from different culture. Do you think um, a different cultural background actually lead to this? Interesting. Um, I think this is more about personality rather than personality. Um, but I mean, that's a good point. You know, I, I think um, having someone with a different culture is bringing more things on the table, to be honest. Right. Um, like from, from maybe like different perspectives uh, different opinions. So I think this is a good thing to be honest. Like if you have different people from uh, like a diverse team, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So you, you actually think the differences in the culture actually helped you in terms of your decision-making. I, I think I, ha- I had a similar opinion, uh, uh, experience because uh, me and my previous co-founder were also yeah. have very different background, but I think we share the same drive um, because of we have different backgrounds and, and growing up experiences, we spark different ideas and actually we're able to debate it in the very, um, you know, very great manner where we can understand and actually stay on the topic. So I think that was a great thing for us. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would imagine like it was a great uh, scenario for you guys as well. Yeah, yeah. As long as you know we, we respect each other's uh, opinions and thoughts, it's a healthy debate. Um, Absolutely. Um, and and um, one question I have is that. Um, you, you guys got into Techstars during your journey of building role. Um, I wonder how big of a difference did Techstar made and how important it is to be in an accelerator that can really help you. Yeah, um, so it made a big difference. Uh, this was in 2021, early 2021. We got an acquisition offer from a company, US-based company, who wanted to um, come into the US, uh, Canadian market. And it was a good deal. Uh, not gonna lie, uh, it was a really good deal, and th- this was our uh, second year, so it, wow. I, I feel pretty good actually. But then we also got introduced to Sunil Sharma, uh, who's the uh, managing director of Techstars Toronto, and he really liked what we were doing. And like so far, with all the launches, uh, Calgary, Ottawa, with only three uh, co-founders, he he really liked what we were doing. And um, we applied <clears throat> to Techstars and we got in. 
and we had to choose between uh, an acquisition offer versus a tech and a tech size. We had a lot of meetings during, like, I remember that week, every night we were talking, like, <clears throat> hours to uh, make a decision. We created a list of pros and cons. And then at the end of the day, we decided to go with Techstars because this is our, this was our first company and uh, we were still young and there was, there were a lot of things to learn. Um, and it, learning never ends, to be honest. Like, I'm still learning and I don't think it's ever going to end. Um, and yeah, so we decided to go with Techstars. Uh, the company, they, they understood. They're also kind of a, they have a startup culture, culture too. Um, and the program was great. We had these mentor meetings, back-to-back uh, mentor meetings. Um, we also had investor meetings. They have a great network. And I think that's the best value out of Techstars. Their network is amazing. It's a global accelerator. Uh, now they have a Discord channel where you can just connect with people uh, right away. Um, and Sunil was, he has an amazing network. He knows everyone in the tech industry. So yeah, overall, our experience was awesome. Uh, and I'm glad that we chose Techstars over the, um, the acquisition deal. Um, yeah, so overall, really good, uh, experiences with Techstars. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious. So what was the decision-making process like when you're choosing whether an acquisition or a Techstar? Cause um, for me, obviously, I don't know the detail about the both, but um, acquisition will look really good on your resume and you will potentially be able to have financial freedom after the acquisition. To me, it's more obvious to try to go with the acquisition. So what was your discussion like and what made you to choose to go with um, Techstars? Yeah, um, again, like I remember uh, this was like, a, I think, one week or like two week kind of period where we had to make that decision. Um, every night we were having really long calls and uh, try to decide, you know, what we should do. Um, we made a list, pros and cons. <clears throat> uh, we each, uh, all of our co-founders, we each made, made those lists. Um, and um, like, to be honest, a lot of things. And it, it, like at the same time, uh, the company, uh, we were talking to their chief business officer um, we were, he was trying to convince us sending emails oh, <laughs> when, I, when I was at your age, when I was, uh, doing my first company, Really, um, he was sending, wow, even on a personal level. Yeah. 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 So he was sending those personal uh, messages and stuff because they really wanted to come into Canada and they knew that we already had operational permit here. Uh, we operate in several markets. We have a good network in terms of, um, the, the city contacts and stuff. So like, I mean, I, it was a really good uh, value proposition for them. So he was sending all these personal messages and, uh, you know, everything. Um, and at the same time, Techstars, <clears throat> we were having meetings with uh, with uh, their U.S. team and some other people. Uh, they really liked it, too. And when we talked to Sunil about this, like, Sunil, we had this acquisition deal, but, like, we don't know what to do. Uh, and Sunil was also trying to convince us. We had some in-person meetings. Um and um, yeah, again, we had a lot of things to learn and we're still learning um, and they have a good network. And yeah, we just decided to go with Techstars. Um, it was, we felt like it was too early for us to get acquired, even though you know, that's a really good thing. But still, we were not really done with learning uh, from our right. first company. So yeah, I think that was that was the main reason. And to yeah. be honest, Techstars also looked good on the resume. Like I always pitch this when I talk to investors. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, I think you guys are seeking for growth and more opportunities to bring a bigger 
um, that that's I really respect that mentality because you know as on young entrepreneur, it's a first time founding company. You want to be make it as big as possible. That's really great. I have a lot of respect. And um, what is one of the biggest learning from role that you took away from all these years of building, failing, and getting back up again? Don't be uh, optimistic every all the time. Uh, that's one of my biggest learnings. And then put everything on paper. You know, like sometimes you make assumptions and sometimes you just talk and assume stuff. Um, but don't do that. You know, if uh, if you're talking about something, just put on the document, maybe like an agreement or something. Uh, that was also one of my uh, biggest learnings. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot to be honest, but I think these would be the main main things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so transitioning to your next venture, uh, Dow Hub. Yeah. Um, I, I believe you you had interest in terms of the blockchain uh, and the crypto space for a while. Um, maybe walk me through when you start to spark the interest and what was it that it really attracted you at the first place? Yeah, so I made my first Bitcoin investment when I was in high school and uh, it wasn't a big kind of amount, so I didn't make a lot of return. Um, but I was always interested in the technology itself um, and I did some more investment uh, in altcoins, other cryptocurrencies uh, during my university years. And then I did more research <clears throat> on the technology side and um, later on, you know, NFTs and now DAOs, uh, decentralized apps, decentralized autonomous organizations. I think these are popping up a lot of uh, a lot of the time now. And I also explored a few DAOs by myself and I invested in them. And then after making 10, 15 different investments in different DAOs, proposal tracking and uh, like all the voting and involvement piece got really difficult for me. And I wasn't able to explore new DAOs. Like I have to go through Discord channels and uh, mostly word of mouth, basically. And I realized that there's a gap for, for this space and decided to build a marketplace where you can access new DAOs, explore them, invest in them, and also uh, see the proposals in just one platform. Yeah, so basically I saw the opportunity because I was having difficulty myself and I thought, uh, you know, this is going to be a good step uh, for, for the ecosystem as well to make DAOs, um, to kind of move DAOs into the next phase. Um, and I'm a huge believer in DAOs, to be honest. It provides an open governance. Uh, you can uh, see the treasury. Everyone has a right to a right to kind of you know put on proposals. Uh, there's no CEO, no central authority. Everything is run by the community members, the investors. So I really like the governance structure, the open governance, the transparent structure. And I even think that in the future, we will see larger companies, larger institutions transition into DAOs. Um, not every company is suitable to become a DAO, to be honest, but most of them can, can become a DAO and it gives more right and more voice to their investors. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in the DAO space. I want to know, how did you get uh, interested in, in the crypto space at the beginning? Was it resonated with some of your problems when you had in Web2 or did it had some resonate with your what you believe in terms of more decentralized and people having more way to, to take ownership? So like, how did you how did it get you interested? It started with the crypto queen investments and, uh, you know, looking at technology and I was making some return. Oh, in, making returns. So, okay. In 2016, some of the altcoins I invested in, uh, I made some good returns, but I and then I lost all the returns I made from other coins. Um, but then I did more research um, on the technology side, like what is going um, in, in the in behind. 
And then <clears throat> I realized, I think this was like 2020 or 2019, I looked at some of the DeFi companies. It was amazing. Like it, all the concepts are actually coming from traditional finance, but, ah. but you know, it's much more transparent, cheaper. Uh, there's no um, intermediaries like banks or like other in- financial institutions. Everything is on the chain, uh, transparent and easier and faster. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's like too good to be true, right? And then a lot of people were uh, hesitant, like, oh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, it's not good. But there is technology behind it, you know, and it, it's not just the value of the coin, but I think it, the, the other metric is how many decentralized apps, how many um, you know, different products are being produced in these, uh, on these chains. And then um, there were a lot of new L1 protocols, new chains generated like in the last two, three years. And those, I think, uh, they're becoming the next big thing. Um, it's still at a really early stage. I mean, even the definition of a DAO is not too clear. There are some DAOs with central authority. It's not really fully decentralized, but but it's getting much better now. Uh, people are getting more familiar with DAOs and uh, people are investing in them. Uh, and, and my goal is to build a perception that DAO investments are different than crypto coin investments because these are actual companies. They're doing business similar to you know, public companies uh, or private companies like startups. And it's also changing the whole VC landscape, the, the um, capital uh, structure as well. Um, you know, you can, uh, I mean, even now VC is actually, uh, DAOs are investing in different DAOs themselves. And um yeah, I think, you know, it's actually disrupting the whole public and private markets in that sense. And when you first started to look into DAOs and what, what made you decided to invest? And if you don't mind sharing, what are some DAOs that you invested in and why did you invest in them? Yeah, so I mentioned that I was looking into DeFi space and like all the products with high yields and stuff. And then one of the first um, DeFi product that I, um, that I discovered was Uniswap. Uh, it's a really well-known uh, DeFi application. Uh, it's like an exchange platform where they provide liquidity pools. Uh, you can become a liquidity provider if you um, provide liquidity uh, to a pool. You typically um, provide two different tokens, and then people can purchase tokens from that pool, um, and you get um, you get some incentive each time when a transaction occurs. Um, so that was the first one, and then I discovered other ones like Aave, uh, Compound Finance, Maple Finance, a Canadian company. And I realized that these companies are like a financial institution. Like they're, some of them are actually larger than uh, public companies. In 2020 or 2021, uh, Uniswap's market cap was $23 billion. And Coinbase's uh, market cap is $13, $10 billion. So, you know, in some cases, these companies have larger uh, market caps than public companies. And that's kind of, that was kind of my aha moment that, you know, these uh-huh. guys are large they have large treasuries these are these companies are doing things um, like what public companies are doing and sometimes even more stuff than them and it's open governance structure people are investors are managing the company they put on proposals it's a democratic approach Um, and that was kind of my aha moment that uh, you know that was are becoming big and there's more members more members right now there's more than four million uh, DAO members globally uh, but, but these are mostly just the top 100 top 200 DAOs um, and it's 
growing at a at a really large uh, large scale, I think. And, and um, as a DAO investor and a token holder, what are what were some um, decisions that you were making, and what is the magic to um, holding the token rather than, for example, um, uh, investing in a stock in a stock exchange? What what were you um, able to do a lot more than just investing in the stock exchange? That, that's a great question. Um, there are a lot of things to look at, but one thing is, uh, you know, in stock markets, um, it's not decentralized and um, due diligence process is much easier. But for, for DAOs, the, the process is a little bit more complex because um, there are different factors like, um, you know, if Bitcoin, Ethereum, if the price goes down, the, uh, the value of these uh, companies also go down. Uh, but I don't think, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's a good kind of um, metric to look at. Um, you can, um, I, so one of the uh, most important metrics that I look at, the community, how big is a community? Um, what's a treasury look like? Um, uh, what are the products they're offering? This is, <clears throat> this is important. Um, what are the, so what do you get if you purchase a token? Some, some of the to- uh, companies, uh, DAOs, they give you rights in terms of putting on proposals. That's one thing. Some of them give you access to um, to attend their events, friends with benefits, for example. So token uh, utility is also important. And uh, there's some other things like uh, what's the supply look like? Uh, how many of the supply has already been distributed? Um, what's the uh, t- type as in whether that's kind of an inflation inflation inflationary token or fixed supply. Those are kind of small things that uh, you need to look at, but uh, I don't think there's one form- formula to kind of understand and analyze it DAO. but it's all about uh, what they provide to their community um, and um, the previous proposals that that's also important. Um, yeah. And we provide most of these information on DAOHub.xyz, uh, shameless plug. Um, and we even show uh, whether that company was a uh, was a victim of a fifty one percent attack. Um, oh, it, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And um, so so like I understand you you're starting to invest in a lot of DAOs and and a lot of these um, sort of ad- administrative tasks sort of like um, managing the voting and discovering new DAOs has been um, very time consuming for you. Um, Tell me about the the process of creating um, the DAO hub in the very beginning. Uh, how, like, what did you do in the very beginning to create this platform? Yeah. So after I realized that discovering new DAOs are difficult and there's no aggregated platform to explore new DAOs, and um, and there's no easy way to get notified about pro- proposals, and um, uh, and again, like, if you want to purchase their token, you have to uh, go to Binance, um, other co- platforms to see, but you don't see the business aspect on, on those exchanges. And I, the first thing uh, that I did was um, doing more research about this space, whether there are competitors or uh, whether Binance uh, or other exchanges are interested in, like, implementing these kind of features. And then... Um, I realized that they're really not really interested in that. They're more focused on the crypto aspect and the, you know, the price aspect. Um, I decided to build it. In the meantime, I talked to some DAOs and uh, I asked them what they think. Uh, we also have some um, 
ideas like Launchpad uh, later on, where we will provide some support in terms of fundraising, we'll provide some tools. And that was also kind of the um, uh, reason why I talked to DAOs, whether they would be interested, um, especially new DAO builders, right? Um, it's kind of a validation process where you talk to potential customers. Uh, I talked to some investors as well, uh, people investing in DAOs and uh, try to get their ideas. And <clears throat> that was kind of the initial phase. And then um, I started building it. Uh, it was a, uh, right now it's a simple React app, to be honest. Um, mm. And I didn't have any experience building something in React, so I had to learn uh, some stuff. And then I added um, a founding engineer, um, Daniel, now we're working together. Um, and uh, we have a CFO as well, fractional CFO. Um, he was a previous, he was a previous CFO of Citigroup Canada. And um, I also have a great advisor, uh, Nick. Uh, he's the head of product at American Express. Uh, and I'm also uh, getting more advisors on board. Um, so that was kind of the process so far. Yeah, so I guess this time is a bit different than Roll. Because Roll, you started with a co-founder and yeah. um, there is a lot of resources, for example, manufacturing and a lot of those stuff figure out. But um, this time you're starting everything on your own and it's sort of like a, different journey that requires more courage. So w what did you feel in the beginning of starting two companies? What was the difference and what was more challenging or what was easy? Yeah, great question. So I didn't know anything about, um, I, I mean, I, I knew some stuff, but I didn't know about um, the operational aspect of startups before uh, starting role. So that required a lot of, um, you know, like learning and um, it took longer to understand some of the concepts and like how to talk to people. Um, and I was also not that experienced like in general. I only had uh, one internship at, uh, at Scotiabank before that. So like I also, I was lacking, like, I was lacking of some of the professional experience in that sense. Ah. So that's why it took longer to learn things. But I think now um, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But I have some experience, uh, especially that initial stage. Uh, that I utilize in, in my new company. Um, and also, you know, how to talk to investors or like potential customers. Those are also important skills that I gained that role. Um, and network as well, like Techstars Network. I'm utilizing the Techstars Network. I'm reaching out to people. And they're, they're also really, you know, um, we just have like 15, 20 minute coffee chats sometimes, sometimes Zoom calls. Uh, people are really like interested in talking if they're really passionate about the yeah, blockchain space. Um, so yeah, like it's easier in that sense because I actually learned a lot of things at Roll, but I'm doing this by myself this time. But I mean, I have great people in the team, Daniel, Peter, um, Nick, but I, yeah, like as a, as a sole founder, things are a little bit difficult if you're actually like doing coding, uh, investments, marketing, everything. So, um, yeah. Okay, nice. And uh, I, I guess you just, first, congr congratulations on launch. I think you just launched a few days ago and uh, congrats on the traction so far. Um, I, I wonder um, what is the next step for Dow Hub um, in terms of, you know, growth or getting investments? Um, what is the uh, next thing that you want to focus on? Yeah, um, so right now we need more resources, that's for sure. I want to build a really good team. I, I already have great people in the team, but we need to expand to um, achieve our goals. I'm raising my seed round um, 
and again, like I learned a lot in terms of investments and stuff at Roll, but I'm still learning. Like there's always new stuff that I learn. Um, so that's one thing that we're um, working on right now, getting uh, investment and closing our seed round. And after our seed round, um, we will work on our Launchpad product. That will be really, really uh, important. And then later on, we will add index funds, um, mm. like top 20 DAOs and DeFi, top 20 DAOs and um, like social DAOs, like different different categories. Uh, and there's a lot of things uh, coming up. But um, yeah, so right now, I think the biggest <clears throat> challenge or I would say milestone would be um, closing our seed round. Got it. And what, what like you talked about um, having an index in there. Um, what is the something that you're most excited about building and like something that has the most, most potential? Like um, what do you envision it to be like for DAO Hub? Yeah, so Marketplace is just the beginning. It's, it's kind of an entry to build a strong customer base that we can utilize as a network effect for other products. Um, there are some really exciting uh, things that we're also uh, thinking about, but like I, I'm not gonna be able to share all of them uh, <laughs> just because it's a competitive space. Uh, well, one thing I can say is uh, our ultimate goal is to improve the DAO ecosystem. Uh, this means that you know um, tools to make voting more accessible, easier, uh, especially for people coming from Web2. Um, and making the whole investment structure uh, uh, more uh, easier and understandable from, uh, for people that are coming from Web2. That's going to be kind of a really, really ultimate goal. And later on, uh, we're also interested in looking at um, DeFi offerings, DeFi products, um, even NFTs. I'm a huge believer in NFTs too, but I'm kind of sad that we're only seeing it um, in mostly the digital art, digital asset world. I think there's a lot of different use cases and real world assets. Um, so that's something that we might also want to discover later on. But yeah, so right now we're focusing on the marketplace uh, product and um, to build a really good customer base that we can utilize as a network effect for other products. Um, and later on, you know, like we're also going to do some uh, things to kind of verify some of the DAOs to make sure we're also protecting uh, investors as well, because in the past, you know, we've seen some schemes like um, initial coin offerings and some other right. stuff that were not really good for the overall blockchain ecosystem. Uh, so we also want to protect investors as well, um, but still being on decentralized network, of course. Mm, nice. I, I guess for you, your bread and butter is having, you know, more DAOs on the platform, you acting like a marketplace. And um, I know that there's probably less people that know about DAO than who doesn't. Um, and obviously more DAO, the better for you in terms of your platform. So what um, what would you think is the steps needed for people to get to know more about DAO? And what should they know that you know can convince them instead of creating a traditional company, they should create a DAO? Yeah, um, those are really good questions. And uh, the questions we need to ask ourselves to actually make people aware of those. Um, I think marketing is really, really important in Web3, marketing and education. Uh, and that's what we're going to focus on. Um, and again, we're going to try to build a perception that DAO investments are different than crypto coin investments. I think this is one of the things that um, Web3 investors are not convinced with. Like they think mm -hmm. that, oh, DAO investment, you know, it's just another cryptocurrency. Um, so, so we want to change that perception. Um, and education, I think 
there's a lot of <clears throat> Web3 education companies um, try to do that, like giving more education and uh, informing about new technologies, DeFi, and making it less, uh, like changing the language to make it more uh, easier to understand. A lot of things in Web3 are still uh, technical, highly technical, the language, right. like all the concepts. So I think once we have a more like easier kind of um, material in terms of um, the concepts in Web3, it will be it will be uh, easier for Web2 people to join um, and, and like Web3 companies uh, investing in DAOs, investing in cryptocurrencies. Um, so that will be also really, really important. From our side, um, one thing you mentioned, you know, even for marketplace products, both sides are really important, right? You need to have enough supply and enough demand. Uh, the good thing about blockchain space is all these DAOs are on chain. So we don't really ask them to be listed on our platform. We just use web, web scraping tools and use some APIs to fetch their data. We put it on our platform and we use liquidity pools, uh, Uniswap liquidity pool infrastructure to um, make the transaction. I think this is a really, really good thing about blockchain. Um, uh, and yeah, we don't, we don't convince, we don't ask them to be listed on our platform. It's already there. Uh, but as I said, once we build a really good customer base, uh, I mean, uh, the demand side investors, then we will have a leverage in terms of like, we can talk to DAOs and say, um, okay, we, we're asking you to be verified on our platform. And these are the steps. Um, and th these steps include um, a smart contract audit and some other tools to make sure, you know, we're protecting the investors and there's no um, technology vulnerability and things. Um, so yeah, that's why I, network effect will be really key. Um, and it's a, it's a key for uh, pretty much uh, uh, all the marketplace products. Um, so, so after, you know, creating role and starting DAO hub, um, what did you think that changed you as a person in terms of your mindset? Um, did, you know, your perspective on life or even on career have changed after you starting these two? Um, great question. Um, now I know that I wouldn't enjoy a corporate life. Uh, that's one thing I, I realized and, um, other things. Oh, one thing that I learned at role is to make sure uh, your mental health, your health is okay, because if you're not okay yourself, then, mm. you know, you can't really like, if you're not caring about yourself, you're not going to care about the company. Uh, so right. make sure that, um, you know, uh, your mental health is okay. Um, you're, you're taking some time for yourself, not like, um, working all the time. Like those are really important things that I realized. Um, and I'm spending more time for myself. Uh, at that oh, amazing! Um, like I remember oh. early days at Roll, like we had no weekends, and uh, and I I liked it. Like I'm not complaining. I like yeah. I like working, but you have to take care of yourself. If you don't, then you're not going to be able to take care of your company. So that was uh, that was one of the like things that I learned. Um, Did you think you became more productive, taking more time on yourself, and having? very focused time to focus on the company. Do you think like you're, you're, you feel better in general or like, what was the change? Absolutely. Both professionally and personally. Um, so that, that's really, really important. And I tell this to like every entrepreneur I meet, um, you need to take care of yourself, uh, mentally, um, like other like health activities, like that's kind of a must, uh, for me. Um, other things, um, I mean, overall, I, 
I'm, I mean, more professional. Like I, I'm becoming. I feel like I'm becoming more professional with uh, ah. you know, like, all the things. This is expected. Like even if I was working at a corporate, like th this would be expected. But like you do everything yourself, right? Like when you reach out to customers, when you reach out to investors, you do everything as as an entrepreneur, as a founder. So I think this adds a lot of um, uh, a lot of skills. Um, so in both professionally and personally, again, uh, I feel like, so yeah, those would be the main things. Yeah. And, and, uh, last question. So you started Dowhub pretty quickly. Um, after all, I don't think you went through a lot of time deciding, deciding whether you want to do it or not. Um, and, um, there are a lot of people who have great ideas, but, um, they don't know how to start. Um, so if you can give one piece of advice for any ambitious young entrepreneur or startup founders who want to get started, um, what would that be? Yeah. Well, first of all, it wasn't that smooth, to be honest. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I had some other ideas. Like I was exploring the Web3 space. And at the time, uh, like this was in July, uh, no, not July, um, April, May, that, that time, um, I was working on a different idea. Um, a P2P lending and borrowing platform using NFTs as collateral. Um, and I was overconfident. I, I mentioned uh, when we started, I was overconfident and I thought we we could get some money just with the idea. Um, I couldn't. It, you know, you basically need to have traction. You need to have, uh, you need to show them some product, some demo. This was a really good learning for me. I was overconfident. I was like, oh, this is my second company. You know, like uh, we did a good job at Roll, uh, Techstars as well. Like, I, I think I can do this. I couldn't. And then um, it required a lot of capital. So we decided not to go with the NFT idea. And also mm. like, I was still kind of skeptical about the NFT space because, you know, digital art, like it can, like I couldn't see the scale in that sense, but uh, I hope that we're going to see more use cases once we see it in uh, real world, real world assets. Um, and then, yeah, so <clears throat> during that time, like I was doing more DAO investments and realized that like it's kind of difficult to explore new DAOs. Um, and that was kind of my aha moment and I started building it. So my advice uh, for people who have an idea and don't know where to start with just start talking to people and try to validate your idea. Uh, just ask them whether, oh, like, would this be something that they use um, and get their feedback. You can also talk to investors, like, just uh, casually. And then once you get some validation uh, from people that you don't necessarily know, because, you know, there's also bias factor. If you just ask your friends, your family, they're going to say, oh, this is really cool. But no, you need to ask some people that you don't know, or maybe like a Quintus. Um, and then once you have some sort of validation, just try to uh, get some people on board that, that think the same, that you can trust, um, co-founders basically. Um, yeah, and then start building it and don't wait for, oh, okay, so um, uh, like we have to get this amount of money before we start. Don't, don't think that way. Start building it. Um, don't n never depend on one certain thing or uh, or someone. Just do it regardless. Um, build it and be believe in your product. And then once you have some traction, start talking to investors. And um, not necessarily sorry, not necessarily start talking to investors at that point. Start building those uh, network and talk to investors. Um, and then once you have some traction, 
tell them that, oh, we have this traction, you know, it's going well. Now we're raising our seed round. Um, so it, it, I think this is kind of the high level process. But yeah, so initial part, the initial stage is always the hardest one. Uh, Absolutely. If and then don't yeah. think that, like, I feel like if, if you're doing something, like if this is your first company and if everything is going well, then there's something wrong. Mm. Like you, you have to make mistakes in order to learn. So like, don't feel like, oh, I have to be so successful with my first company. You know, everything's going to go so well. Don't think yeah. that way. Um, don't make mistakes on purpose either, but just try to do your best and uh, don't, be afraid of making mistakes or failing. Uh, it's just a good learning opportunity. And everyone knows, like investors know, uh, like if you fail at your previous company, they, they don't care. I mean, of course it would be good if you get acquired or, uh, you know, um, if you get public, but like they also know that this is the best way to learn things. So yeah, don't, don't be afraid of making mistakes. That's my biggest advice. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid of making uh, mistakes. Thank you, Arda, for uh, for sharing your experience and valuable um, advice on how to start a company. I wish you all the best in, in terms of DAOHub. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, um, go check out DAOHub. And if you want to see different types of DAOs, um, explore their platform. I'm sure you'll find something that you like. Thank you, Frank. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ideas Can't Wait podcast. If you have taken something away from this episode and really enjoyed our conversation, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on wherever you're listening or watching. It will help this podcast to reach more like-minded people like you. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next one.